Welcome, everybody, to the Seattle Sports Union Podcast. My name is Abraham DeWeese, and back with me once again is a man who takes his place in history. Unfortunately, his grades in sophomore history were C-minuses, Brian the Soul Man Solak. And with us, again, the man who gives till it hurts, gives and gives and gives until it hurts. Problem is nobody wants what he has to offer, Matthew Page. And our special guest star, once again, a man who can pronounce Connecticut properly, our special guest, Tom Wassel. Connecticut. Isn't it? Isn't it Connecticut? No. That's how it's spelled, but <laughs> spelling doesn't matter. I remember in college, uh, my roommate got mad at me. First day I met this guy. My roommate never met this guy. I pronounced Illinois, Illinois. Uh-huh. And it was lecture. It's not no hello, nice to meet you. Um, it's yeah, it's it's lecture time about how Illinois is pronounced. I, I got well, the same black in Oregon for saying Willamette. The Willamette Willamette Valley. I called it Willamette. And the the number of people that gave me crap for it for weeks. <laughs> I said it once. Well, you deserve that. Apparently. <laughs> we got big news. Uh M- Mr. Wassel. You have big news specifically. You got picked up by a channel, didn't you? I did. Um, Care to tell everybody? Yeah, I do. So I'm a little distracted by something that happened on Twitter like maybe 12 minutes ago, which is pissing me off because I didn't I didn't make my point as clearly as I wanted to about this James Paxton thing. And now people are misinterpreting that. And I think they all think I'm an idiot. Well, don't worry, you're on this podcast. There are many people who think we're idiots as well. So you <laughs> that, probably That's not what I was looking for, company. man. <laughs> <laughs> or no, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. They're all wrong. <laughs> A bunch of angry people in their basements on Twitter. Uh yeah, they're they're apparently the the righteous and you're apparently the the jerk who has I a... was I was trying to make a point about how, you know, Jane in baseball contracts are always guaranteed like James Paxton for pitching an inning and a third this year is going to get $8 million. Okay. Whereas in the NFL, there's guaranteed money. There's non-guaranteed money. And depending on how contracts are structured, a player who's the NFL equivalent of James Paxton with that kind of injury history is not likely to get every nickel that's in that contract. But now yeah. I've got one idiot after another hitting me back up and saying, oh, well, he's going to get his base salary. He just goes on IR if he's, you know, an NFL player. It's like, okay, you don't understand my point. <laughs> my point is that in the NFL, contracts are not fair. Why do you think <laughs> that there's so much talk about players striking to try to get fully guaranteed contract? But damn, he gets his base salary. <laughs> It's just like, okay, fine. Just let it go. No, no, no. We're not going to let this go because I'm interested. No, uh, yeah. There's Obviously a disassociation. With, this. Uh, Tom, you've worked in this field forever. Uh, there's a disassociation, right, uh, between fans and athletes. Athletes, they've never met one. They've never talked to one. They don't understand the other side of the other point of view. Uh, am I wrong, guys? Like, In general. In general, yeah. They might as well don't. be a comic book. They might as well be a comic book character. They might as well be a, you know, uh, some other celebrity that their experience isn't real and their experience isn't uh, relatable. 
Well, they don't, they don't, I, yeah, they, they kind of put the players on a pedestal. They don't really truly understand what goes into the job. And, and they, all they see is, oh, yeah, he goes out and throws the ball for a while and he gets paid $8 million. And now he's, oh, he's hurt and he's not, he's still going to get $8 million. That's not fair. A lot of people are, take that position. And I'm, I'm like, no, the dude, now he can't use his, his left arm for how long? I mean, you well, know, maybe he, the rest of his, who knows, maybe the rest of his life. It might be, yeah, it might be a, might be a career ending injury. And, and, you know, he's put his, uh, the training in and the nutritional in the, you know, the nutrition and everything. I mean, they, they, they work their butts off to get where that's they are. A, that's important because Tom, your, your concern was about football players. Yeah. And football players do the same. Further punishment. Uh, yeah. basketball player, a baseball player, they might hurt a uh, ankle, shoulder, knee. Yeah. These guys are getting their brains beat in for unguaranteed contracts. Yeah. I mean, what's the name of the what's the name of the guy that um, that just went out today and uh, shot up a bunch of people? Former Seahawk. Like, uh, I, I I I'm not gonna I forget his name. I'm not gonna say that this is Adams, what happened, but Phillip this Adams. happens a lot with football players, doesn't it? Where CTE related. Yeah, they get CTE related stuff, and it, it it's. Yeah, it's the too early to say if that's CTE related, for the record. But no, it, no, no, I'm I, not saying it is. But it, I hear about this kind of stuff, and I just wonder, you know, like uh, when you bring up non-guaranteed contracts, you know, is your brain worth this? Well, and and to get to that level uh, at the NFL, think about it this way: to get to to get to the NFL, you will have probably played, you know, what five on five in Texas at high, high school for you know, fire and middle school for, you know, five, six years. Then you got high school football, then you got college football, and then you finally make it to the pro football. And you, so you have 12 years of abuse on your head already at that point. Yeah. Invested, you know? And they say what the human brain's not even developed until about 26 years old. And so you're doing this countless damage. Constant and trauma. by the way, the contracts in the NFL, they aren't even as good as the ones in basketball. They aren't even as good as the ones in baseball. <laughs> I mean, if you want physical damage to your body, baseball, you take the least punishment for the most money. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You should. I mean, yeah, like Kyler Murray, I was like, dude, why did he go to football? He could have, you know, played till he was 42 as a, you know, you baseball, pitcher in baseball, in baseball yeah. and, and made more money and been healthy at the end of it, theoretically, if you made it. Yeah. Oh, no, my question, though, was, Tom, can yeah. you tell us about your show? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah let's, let's take it back. I think, I think that's where we started. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the, I just joined the Believe Podcast Network, and they, I mean, they've got so many. I mean, they've got well over 400 podcasts, all kinds. They've got sports. They've got, you know, lifestyle stuff, all, you know, whatever really you want. Um, and I guess they looked at my show and thought it was worth picking up, at least to add to their Seattle area sports podcast. So what's going to happen is the Twitter show will remain like three to four a week, that sort of thing. And then I'm going to give them one to two audio only versions of those shows. So. You know, you're not going to. So there's still reason and incentive, I think, to, you know, subscribe to the Twitch show because you're just going to get more. Um, but I will be giving, you know, not everybody goes on YouTube or goes on Twitch. So this will probably give me some increased visibility and it'll be more convenient for people to just, you know, subscribe that once on whether, whether it's Apple, Spotify, wherever you get it. Um, and it'll just, you know, load up for you once or twice a week and away you go. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations yeah. on that. 
Thank you. I know uh, Brian, you've been you've been proselytizing that around the around the Twitters and Facebookers and absolutely the, tubes, I, the various tubes. I, I before you get on with the Mariners, I want to hear how I watched Tom. I watched the show you did with Mitch Levy. I'd love to hear your feedback on that. I mean, I thought that was a great show. Uh, I look, I thought it was wonderful. I mean, I try to, you know, get the perspectives of people who, you know, their experience in life, wherever angle they're coming at sports from uh you know it's somewhat unique i think and in his case somebody who's gone through the very thing that kind of torture you know i mean look he did something he's taken responsibility for it but the the kind of personal anguish that he's gone through as a, a as a result i mean that's something we don't often talk about in sports you know like is because we crucify people left and right yeah. but we don't often check on them afterwards you know as soon as we get to grandstand from our moral pulpit we usually leave it alone thereafter and forget about it while that person continues to suffer so you know in addition to the fact that i just think he's a smart guy and a, you know and a, and a wonderful radio host and everything or now podcast host um you know i, I kind of just wanted to go at it from that angle and he he really was great he was well said thank you for sharing that <clears throat> Yeah, fantastic. And that kind of uh, has the same underlying theme as what we were talking about as far as football players and baseball players and fans, I don't think, realize, okay, that's still a human being on the other side right. of television. Yep. You know, that's still a human being on the radio. And, um, I don't, yeah, you're right. We, we like to tear people down. There's some sort of maybe uh, thrill that people get out of out of thinking, like, I think you used the word uh, righteous or did it righteous. We'll just call it righteousness. Yeah. You know? uh, if you can be better than that guy, that makes you feel better about the poorest state of affairs you're in, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we were going to talk about, and we will talk about, we're doing it right now. We're going to talk about the Seattle Mariners, but not the Seattle Mariners garbage that I've been watching this whole week and having to write on because that's making me irritated. Um and by the way, Matt Page, don't look at me like that. I can see you on the screen. And you're looking at me like, oh, just wait two more years. You've been saying that for 12 years now, Matt Page. I didn't say anything. <laughs> 12 years I've known right. you. Just two more years now. <laughs> Sick of it. Tired of it. It's so let's talk gonna about happen. Sooner or later. something fun, damn it, guys. On a long let's, enough timeline, I'll be right. <laughs> uh, let's talk about something better. Let's talk about uh, – I was thinking about the 1997 Mariners because – we often talk about the 95 Mariners, the 2001, 2000 Mariners, and, you know, how great those teams were. I think the one that should have won it all was that 1997 Mariners team. Yeah. I think that that was the the best we had. Maybe 2001. You could probably put 2001 there, too. But, you know, you just take a look at a team that, that took it to the end and probably, you know, just with the lack of bullpen, if you just get one damn closer on that team. This team wins it all, don't they? Silence. I must have been doing a lot of pot smoking that year. The problem with baseball <laughs> is hey, man. It's, it's, a, it's a land of 
both small sample sizes in the playoffs and the small sample sizes don't matter over the long season. So you build this team to win 100 over 162 games and and you know you 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 won 116 say like 2001 and and you're on top of the world you're the best baseball team in the world the problem is is that in that three game series or you know five game series some team can find three games to get up on you and while that wouldn't have mattered in the regular season all of a sudden it's a completely different game and when you get down to the small sample sizes luck plays into it a lot hey luck let me let me huge. yeah i'm sorry go ahead no, that's that's my conclusion go right ahead oh that was it okay yeah um you know what i've looked over the years at all of the playoff teams that the mariners had uh all what, what all four yeah um <laughs> it's a nice round number uh, but the 97 team a i think you're right is definitely overlooked I mean, I think the 2000 team is overlooked for that matter. I mean, they were the one that really, I think, came closest to getting to advancing another round because in that game they lost in 2000 where Justice hit the home run. They actually came back a little bit after that. Like A-Rod hit another home run. Like So that team probably deserves more um, attention too. But this 97 team, I mean, you're just – you're like – Two, maybe three pitchers short. You've got Randy. You have Moyer, 17 and 5, 386. He's like a good number two there. The problem is you've got Jeff Vicero as your third starter, unless they added somebody late who I'm unaware of. Uh, he had a really good year, 16 and 9, 361, but he's pitching way over his skis at that clip. So to have him as your number three at age 34, you're kind of like, Eh, you're on thin ice with him. And then in the bullpen, you really have nothing. I mean, that's the year that you traded for Heathcliff Slocum, right? Yep. Yeah. So, and, and look, I can understand why. I mean, history will not look at that trade kindly because of giving up Derek Lowe and uh, Jason Veritek to the Red Sox, who went on to form, you know, part of the core of a, a World Series team or more than one. Um, but you needed that closer. And, you know, he was. I think he was okay for the Red Sox that year, wasn't he? Let's see. He was uh, for Boston that year. Nope, he wasn't. He was <laughs> <laughs> he was 0-5 with a 5.79 ERA and 17 <laughs> saves. I mean, he must have been like the only guy available to them. So I don't know. Maybe yeah. that wasn't such a great move. Part, of that, part of that was uh, Woodward was was panicking in you know going up against the trade deadline. And just kind of pulled the trigger on any old thing that came along. Yeah. I mean, well, there's a reason why he got replaced by, by, replaced by Pat Gillick. It's, it was moves like that. Yeah. I, you know what, though? Here's the thing. With like, look, Heathcliff Slocum at, at no point in his career was one of the, like, five best closers, right? Like, closers, that, that top five can rotate year to year in a big way. And he was never close to that. Had it been like, you know, Mike Jackson or Jose Mesa, a couple other guys who came through here at different points, um, I would have taken chances on them just because they had better track records. And who knows, maybe you could have gotten a couple of good months out of it. It's, it's not, it's the wrong name, I, I guess is the point. You know, it, it's right move, wrong name. 
Yeah, it, it was the right position to go for, but I, I wonder about this because we all get just down on Bobby Ayala. We always did it, and there's a reason. He, he was terrible. Yeah. But we never really <laughs> got on any other closer as much. Maybe Mike Schooler, but I mean, it. it I I just wonder how much of this is on, you know, uh, uh, Lou, Lou, sweet Lou. What for his you? Well, here's the thing, by the way, you guys were here for Bobby Ayala. I've heard all the stories, but let's be fair in their bullpen that year. Bobby Ayala had the best ERA by far. He went 10 and five with a three, eight, two ERA. Everybody else is over like six. <laughs> yeah, Norm well, this, Charlton was a 7.27. Yeah, right. Here's where here's where I'm getting at. I mean, well, why is it that way? Doesn't it come down on the on the coaching? Because he had this slavish slavish devotion to veterans. He refused to play rookies for some weird reason. Sweet Lou got it in his head. R- rookies weren't useful. They weren't worthwhile. Dude, you had Dennis Martinez on that team. Don't tell me he was still around in playoff time. Uh, no, he got cut. <laughs> okay. Uh, if I remember, if I remember accurately, he must have. Uh, yes, yeah. he got, he, we cut him in May. El Presidente. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know what to tell you, man. You did it, yeah. But here, well, hang on. Well, there, you're talking about the ERA for Facero and uh, Jaime Moyer, right? <laughs> Keep this in mind. This was the first year that there was interleague play, right? Yep. And what did we find out? Other than roids were rampant. We also found out that the strike zone in the American League was extremely tiny compared to that National League. And the the umpires didn't even, uh, you know, they, they, they weren't on the same page. They still aren't on the same page. But, um, right. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, the hyperinflated ERAs weren't just from Moyer and Facero. That's all around the American League in 1997. Yeah, you're right. And, by the way, I need to, I need to make a point before I – Trash Jeff Facero in the ALDS against Baltimore, both Moyer and Randy Johnson got roughed up in game three. Facero went eight innings, allowing three hits and one run in the only game in the series they won. So I don't know how much further they would have got because you're talking about them maybe winning the World Series because they would have had to get another two rounds to do that. But he did his job in this one. And by the way, he Cliff Slocum closes it out. <laughs> Jeez, you know, I mean, yeah, I agree with what you got with your overall point, though. About, I mean, this lineup, and this this is true, you know, for varying players who came in and out from '95 to '01. I mean, these guys are all Hall of Famers or borderline Hall of Famers. I mean, yeah. Jay Buners, Jay Buners. I don't think anybody's going to make the case he should be a Hall of Famer, but his numbers are among some of the better power hitters, you know, during that period, just probably not, not for long enough. Uh, but I mean, Jesus, Griffey and A-Rod Edgar in the same lineup. Yeah. And, and, and Randy is your number one starter. That is just unreal offensive potential there. Steroid era or not. Yeah. And when you take a look at uh, Joey Cora and Russ Davis offensively, they weren't half bad. Uh, Cora well, 300. So, man, who was your first baseman? That, who, who's uh, Paul Serrano hit 31 home runs that season. Yeah, yeah, Outside, yeah. All and the year. Uh, that, that's that, that that's an amazing offense. And up until he got traded, uh, Jose Jose Cruz had something like 10 or 12 home runs. Yeah. Which, by the way, Matt, 
Uh-huh. He was untouchable. Yeah, just this? just like Pokey Reese. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean he was untouchable? Untradeable? Yeah, they, they said they didn't want to trade him or he wasn't touchable. He, but he, they he got rid of him good. that mid-year. But then they did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> is this as bad? When you're called untouchable, is that as bad as being, as being given the uh, uh, the – not the thumbs up. What do you call that? The, uh, you know, when you say that you're giving your manager a. Oh, the vote of confidence. Vote of confidence. Thank you. That's yeah, a kiss yeah, of death, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, good. I was going to say, they also brought in uh, Roberto Kelly later on in the season. In August, Dude, I love, I love me some Roberto Kelly. And he was, he was amazing filling yeah. in for Cruz. He filled that hole. Uh, I'm, I had his stats here. Where are they? Um, he hit, uh, let's see, he, where'd he go? It was right here. Here it is. He hit 298. He hit, uh, 12 dingers. Um, you know, did, did quite well for the, the 30 games he played for us. Can I ask you guys about defense? Just is defense over, is, is the stat of errors not a very good ref, uh, 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 reflection of your defense? Because, defensively that infield was awful comparatively to the rest of the uh, American league. However, you know, A-Rod had 24 errors, Russ Davis, 18 errors, Joey Cora uh, had a bunch of errors, but like in my head, I'm thinking, well, that's actually a really good defense. You know, where's, where's this difference between stats and what I recollect? Oh boy. I mean, now you're, now you're asking a question about the way we tend to remember things and what, which is, which is actually, an incredibly fascinating topic on its own. I would say as far like errors, I've always looked at the same way I look at spring training. As long as it's not, something doesn't jump out as being terrible, it's probably not really noteworthy. You know, like if, if, if uh, you know, player X goes over spring training, I'd be a little worried. But if he hits, you know, if he just has a bad spring training uh, then it's like, okay. Like there was a year where Edgar Renteria went to Boston. He came over in uh, 05. He made 40 freaking errors. All right. But for the rest of his career, it was actually okay. So do you define him that way? Or do you, do you just say it was one bad year? I mean, like as long as the stat of errors isn't out of control. Remember, who was that guy who played left field a couple of years ago for the Mariners? Domingo, Her- uh, Domingo Santana. Like that yeah. guy was brutal. You could tell oh, just by terrible. watching him. You didn't need numbers. So to your to the other half of your point there like about you know what do you remember i think you can take some of that into account but definitely not focus on just one or the other right on well they've they've been trying you know uh, the people the, the people that uh, that abraham hates the sabermetricians the 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 uh, the, the godless the, souls nerds the nerd, heathens yeah. who, who sit in the, their mother's basements and and run numbers uh, have been trying since day one to quantify defense and they there's no reliable metric that can really be nailed down. The honest truth is, and, and, and errors are subjective to the scorekeeper. It's his decision. I, I, I remember vividly sitting in the press box at the Everett Aqua Sox game about a, about a year ago, two years ago, I guess it was longer than that now because COVID wiped out way too long. Uh, two or three years ago, <clears throat> I was sitting in the, in the club, in the, uh, in the press box and there was a close play at second and an errant throw. And the scorekeeper literally like, Pulled us. He's like, "What do you guys think? Do you think that was an error?" 
If you're yeah. like, what? <laughs> like we all voted. He's like, okay, I'll put that as an error. And then that was that was literally how it got decided. So I, I you know, I don't I take errors with a grain of salt. Um and and I'm not I'm not too I, you know I don't really focus on them to be honest. That's the beauty of baseball right there. The fact that the the official <laughs> score took a vote. Yeah. Just draw a straw poll. He's like eh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that one. <laughs> then again, then again, it can go the other way, and you can end up with the Unioski Betancourt, and they the the television announcers insist that it's 36 errors. That's because he's getting the balls that nobody can possibly ever get to. And my thought is, well, then let them go. They move slower. Yes. So then we'll, we'll know they're not errors. <laughs> like, oh, Matt, you'll be proud. I got some I got some uh, saber metrics stats for you. Ooh. Um, oh. Randy Johnson that year, uh, he was first in the American League with 2.3 strikeouts per nine innings. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, then, what? Yeah. 2.3. Two yeah. That doesn't sound like that many. No, it doesn't. Oh, per 12.3. My bad. Okay, oh, 12.3. Right. Oh, sorry. Did I say 2.3? Yeah. See, okay. something deep down inside me just hates these stats, and I can't <laughs> get my words out. And Yeah, 12.3 strikeouts per nine innings. That's and he finished good. with a war, so wins above replacement of eight. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. that's pretty high. I mean, that's Mike Trout you know, territory right now. Pretty yeah, high. I mean, eight is the – you know, because war – for most non-star players, to me, isn't even worth looking at. It's like a game or two here and there, maybe. But eight is the difference between, like, making the playoffs and not. I mean, what was their record that year? Was it, were they 92 and, 92 and 70? Or 90 and 72? 90 and 72, yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's the difference between being 82 and 80, you know, <laughs> and, and making the playoffs. Yeah. So, you know. So he got us the playoffs, basically. Basically, yeah. <laughs> Single-handedly. Um, oh yeah, the other thing I wanted to bring up uh, real quick, um, you were talking about that that offensive lineup and the power of it. Yeah, they they set the record for home runs by, in a, uh, by in a year by a team, yeah. and that record stood for 20 years. Totally 21 years. Yankees. Wait a minute, I thought that was the '96 team that did that. '97, they hit 264. Uh huh. And it stood. Two years ago. It stood until 2018. The Yankees broke Yankees. it, and then 2019, all four playoff teams broke it in 2019. The Twins own oh. it now at 307. The balls 40, just 40 more. Wow. <laughs> wow. But the, the the cool thing is, I mean, it stood for 20 years. That was uh, the record for home runs. <laughs> you know what's funny? You know what's really uh, uh, interesting about that stat is that. You know, in the steroid era, there are people who are our age who will say, well, I remember the steroid era and I remember liking baseball a lot. It's like, well, they're hitting more home runs now. True. Yeah. But but the sport, but you don't like the sport as much. Like, shouldn't that tell you that, you know, a home run is not the big thrill that people think it is. Like you see, look, I like home runs depending on the situation, but like you see one home run highlight, you've seen them all like home runs on their own. Aren't going to bring back fans from that era or, you know, cure the issues that baseball has right now. I mean, there's a, there's like five other major problems that the, the sport has that home runs on their own are not going to be able to supersede. Let me see if I can guess one of them. 
at some point, I think baseball went from a national sport to a parochial, you know, just, uh, you know, regional type game. Yeah, I'm not sure why, though. Uh, personalities. I mean, here's one. Uh, the uh, personalities were abundant in the 90s. There were, you know, your Bonds, your, you, you had your bad guys, right? Like Bonds and Clemens, you had your good guys, you know, like McGuire and Sosa. And right now, what do you have? I mean, your biggest, best players are these milk toast, Mike Trout, milk toast, you know, goes home, eats his vitamins and, uh, you know, has a cup of tea. I, they're not on billboards everywhere. You know, uh, the one guy I thought that should have been on every billboard everywhere was Andrew McCutcheon. And that just wasn't his personality. And, you know, it's hard to get investment if you don't know anything about these players. Uh, and they're, you know, the one, as much as I begrudge Michael Jordan, he at least marketed himself and showed how to everybody else, how to market yourself and get your name out there. Um, yeah. I mean, do you think that part of that, <sighs> has to do with the fact that the the most not the most but many of the most exciting players in the sport right now may not be able to communicate to the average american fan just verbally they're, yeah they're uh like do you mean about language barriers or yeah and not for everybody i mean like i know like remember there was the whole thing a couple months ago with kevin mather and julio yeah. rodriguez right because yeah. speaking working on his english is something that was actually like super important to him and um he like he, he went out of his way to give interviews in english as a result which i think is really cool um he's a 20 year old kid too so give him yeah. slack i mean come sure, on sure no well that's what i'm saying like yeah. i think it's cool that he did that but yeah. That's not been the case uh, with everybody. And so, you know, choose your superstar who has, you know, maybe more limited abilities. And it's like, okay, well, I love seeing this player hit, but I don't know much about him because, you know, my, count, my, my counterpoint to that is international soccer. You know, they're, they're fans that are fans worldwide and they don't speak, you know, uh, any other language, maybe just two languages max. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if, if you if you have somebody that's you know really good in uh, in England, uh, and they end up in Germany, you know, the chances that they're giving the interviews in German are pretty nil. Um, they're just going to give the interviews, and somebody will trans. Got close. But, but we're Americans, Abraham. You know, like <laughs> you know, Americans. American. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, first of all, yeah, we're a bigger country than any of those. And like, look, let's face it, we're self-centered, you know. So true, like, true. if you can't, if you, you know, Michael Jordan could communicate in such a way that there was never any like we didn't have to do any work. Like we don't like to do work, you know. It's like, it's like I was telling you before with my new show, I can I can give it to people now in podcast form, and that's easier. But it's actually not any easier than just going to Twitch. You're just clicking a different link. It's no different. But here in America, we treat things like they're different. It's like, oh, okay, one guy speaks English, one guy doesn't. But we treat those two things like they're totally different, even though they're not. That's because the I, way we are. I don't know. I feel like there's a hustle to it. And, in you know, when you have a bigger personality, a uh, maybe that's what it is. Maybe baseball doesn't draw a wide variety of personalities, right? You know, maybe the type of, self-promoters that are out there go into other sports these days. Maybe they're, you know, maybe they're more, uh, 
uh, soccer players more than maybe they're more yeah. you know, football players. Can I give you one? Can I attempt one more? I'm sorry, and I'll, I will lay oh, out. Right. I, know, I know you guys are like, uh, I'm, I'm like talking over all of you here. I'm sorry. Yeah, what is this, a talk show or something? Yeah, what is this bullshit? Uh, so <laughs> go, if you're on baseball, I don't know if you guys are on baseball reference right now, but go back to like the 1986 Mariners. Okay, bad team. They went 67 and 75. But look at the amount of players that they used in like 60 or more games. They were so far fewer. Like you didn't you didn't have to like if you got a set of baseball cards at the beginning of the year. Right. Say you bought the whole top set or something, which I did. Anyway, I you know, I put them all in, in little notebooks or whatever. Oh, Chances yeah. are for the like I would say 85 to 90 percent of the baseball cards you got at the beginning of the season, those were the only players you had to worry about seeing. Those were the only players of consequence. Yeah. You know, and you can I think baseball reference reflects that. I mean, a bad Mariner team had four starters, five relievers, and like maybe what, six to eight guys who are kind of in and out. Like memorizing and committing those players, their names, their faces, maybe even their jersey numbers and stats to memory was not a difficult thing to do. Well, Tom, I'm not looking at it right now, but I bet you between me, Matt and Solak, we can probably get most of the team, right? You had Alvin Davis. Yeah. uh, Mark Langston. Harold Reynolds. Mm -hmm. uh, Shortstop was probably 86. Omar Vizquel. Owen. But yeah. Spike Owen, yeah. Spike Owen. That's right at that year, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and then third base, you probably had Jim Presley, Presley, you know, one of the mini Hendersons were probably in the outfield. Yeah, you're yeah. right. And that's yeah, for yeah. a garbage team, which was probably worse than most from the last 20 years. Uh, and yeah, I struggled to name any outfielders from last year on the Mariners. <laughs> right. And when you're a kid, you have less to worry about, like maybe baseball cards are your whole universe. So like that's part of it. But I mean, it's it's indisputable that the sheer number of players that are used by like your average to bad team uh, yeah. back then versus now. I mean, the Mariners set records three years in a row at some point in this last decade for like either number of players used or pitchers used, or maybe both. Like oh. it's like so many. So yeah. guys are coming up and down and up and down and you get, you know, Rob Rasmussen up for a couple of days and he's gone. It's like, when you're watching the game, how are you supposed to get, how are you supposed to connect with these so, players? So, but that kind of proves my point because in basketball, it's probably even worse. I can't remember. I was watching I was watching a Phoenix Suns versus Utah Jazz game the other day. And I'm like, where did these players come from? They were all on these other teams just last year. Uh, uh, but still, there are more prominent celebrities in basketball mm-hmm. than there is baseball. And I don't know what that is. I don't know I, how that became. Well, I have a I have an idea. And I think it I think it's down to the culture thing. I think it's down to a management thing. Teams don't want the noise. They don't want they you know the the extracurricular activity they want like the, they want their players to show up and be a member of the team they want them to put their head down and do their you know workouts and play the game and head home and and take their vitamins like mike trout you know they want they want those guys like mike trout who will show up and be quiet and and polite and do the interviews and be nice and everything because it keeps the noise level down in today's day and age with twitter and facebook and 
the 47 sports media conglomerates. Uh, you know, there's just too much hyper focus on these athletes and, and players and teams, and they they tend to like you know the ownership groups and everything. They tend to like the noise down. They tend to like everything everything quieter. You know? I just, yeah. I disagree uh, with you. I'm a jerk now, and if you gave me more money, lots of money, I'd be but, even bigger and louder yeah. jerk. I think, you know, when but you... See, you're not a professional baseball player. Maybe that's why. Because of that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. There might be other... Can, I'll, I'll, can I add one more thing just for the base? <laughs> yeah, go for we'll go back to 97. Shoot. I think also the... Not the loss, but the decrease in the number of uh, black athletes in baseball, which has been talked about quite a bit. And also, you know, also at the, at the lowest levels, right. Even in Italy, we, we hear all the time about how Rob Manfred's trying to get baseball back into, he's trying to work with, you know, certain cultures that may have been lost over the years. I mean, you know, there's something about that, that, I think makes baseball look like it's not racist, but I don't know things that let's just face facts. Things that tend to exclude black people don't really go over well in our country. You know, they just don't culturally speaking. And so maybe that's a turnoff to some people. Yeah. You know, fair point. Yep. Oh, speaking of 97 and black athletes, uh, that was the year Kurt Flood died. I was looking at a Wikipedia entry. Yeah. Kind of a rabbit hole. And uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, his lawsuits, the one that broke the de facto slavery system. I'm trying to remember what the term is called. The reserve clause. Thank you. That's yeah. it. That's it. Where you couldn't, you couldn't become a free agent. You just were stuck. And if a team like the Yankees wanted you just to sit in AAA for your whole career, but you were good enough to play in the major leagues, all right, you're just going to be a triple-A guy. We'll call you if we ever need you. I mean, they wouldn't do that, but what they would do is they would not allow you. I mean, it's basically what free agency took care of, right? It wouldn't allow the player to go out and earn more and become an independent contractor. That's why they needed to get rid of it. It's like, oh, you think you can go out and make a, you know, more money on the free market? Nah, we're just going to keep you another year. Sorry. That's kind of what it was, and it, it, it destroyed that. Definitely. definitely. Abraham, Abraham, I got a question for you. Back to the 97 Mariner season, you talk about how crappy the bullpen was, which I agree, but here we go. Come playoffs, we we had play Baltimore. I mean, what happened? I mean, RJ loses two games. Mike Mussina was just totally dominant in, in winning two of those games. I mean, did we choke? Is it Lou Pinella's fault? I mean, hmm. what are your thoughts? <laughs> Is that for anybody? No, well, I want you first because you you were talking about all those things earlier about is it the manager's fault? Uh, how I'm crappy s- our bullpen was. I mean, we didn't show up to play. I mean, yeah, I, I <laughs> we still won the series. I mean, you just gotta you, you just gotta take into account. Musina was that great. Moose yeah. was on top. I mean, of the game, uh, yeah. the, people forget about that. People forget that Baltimore was ever great, and you know, <laughs> but. Mm. But hey, they've been to the playoffs more recently than we have, so where, there you go. Um, but no, I, no, that that my my, there's no shame in losing to a great pitcher. I mean, a great okay. pitcher shuts down the great offenses. Always has, always will. What about RJ? Was he tired? I mean, he didn't look that good in the playoffs. 
I mean, well, I mean, if you're, it is what it is. I, he was what second to Clemens in strikeouts and innings that year. I, I think you just, you know, uh, maybe this goes back to what you said, Tom, where you end up, uh, by the way, you call him RJ. Why would you call him RJ? Um, interesting. <laughs> no one's ever called him RJ. I, I always did. I always have. It's not to his face. And that's why he left Seattle's because not you didn't call him. It's because of you. <laughs> you didn't okay. call him his name. Mr. Johnson. Now we know why. Um, but no, yeah. Why. No, I mean, if you look at, you know, just the innings pitch, uh, there's no way, there, there's no way that you could keep up. Back to you and what you it's said earlier, Tom. Gas up is, to the tank. Yeah, is Carried the team. You can't rely on just one guy, I guess, to win it all. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. <clears throat> oh, I no, I was done. <laughs> well, I'm I'm just noticing something with Randy here. I'm trying to put the dates together because September 27th, which is game 161, he pitched. Only two innings of that game, but they won nine to three. He still got the win somehow. Was that a relief appearance? Oh, maybe. Yeah, oh, to maybe to get him to twenty. That may yeah, have been what it was. I think that's what it was. Okay. In fact, does it say that he's? St- yeah, you could be right about that. Okay. So that's September twenty seventh, and then what was the date of game one? I'm just trying to figure out, like, why he bombed it out so badly. Because the next year, when he got traded to Houston, him and Kevin Brown, like, pitched a war in that in that yep. game one or game two, whichever one it was. Uh, so this is October 1st. So he had September 28, 29, 30, and then one. So he had three days rest, which probably wasn't. That wouldn't horrible. have been a great idea to do that. But if you take a look at where we were in the standings, we didn't have a lot of buffer. Uh-huh. So you got I don't think it was to get him to 20 wins. I think if I remember right, it was it was because you had to. You got to get in the damn playoffs. Let's see. And they won the West by well, they won by 6 games. So Oh, did they? Okay. On the final on the final on game by game 161 they would have I'm thinking them. 95. I was thinking 95 when he yeah. came in appearance. That's right. Right, 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 right. Well, hang on. Uh, Solak, what what did you think about that that game? Which one when he pitched the when RJ, when your buddy RJ, yeah. Um, Are you talking about the two inning game? No, no, game? the one. The, your question, your question. The, the start. Which? Sorry, I, you, lo- I, I, you lost me. Against me. He doesn't remember the question that he asked. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I thought he was tired, and and but in general, the the entire Mariners didn't show up for that series, and like you said, Musina was dominant for that series, and the better. I guess the better team won, but it just seems like we're we're freaking cursed in this city. We, I mean, 97, 2001. I mean, we haven't been in the playoffs for 20 years, and it's going to be another 10 years before we get lucky. So, <laughs> so hey, I, right, I, yeah. Well, you can't really. I mean, yeah, like you know, like you guys are saying, Mike. There's a reason why Mike Messina has a plaque in the Hall of Fame. Okay, mm-hmm. there's a reason why he's there. The fact that they lost two games to him, I, I wouldn't really feel any shame for that. I mean, you know, when 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 you got when you got a Hall of Fame pitcher and he's on, he controls the game. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, in, in short playoff series too, like goofy things happen. You know, you have series where, you know, Hershiser goes in 
in a dominant year and beats the A's two games and they get a home, you know, that home run from Gibson in, a, in one and in, in another game. And all of a sudden that's three wins right there against a stacked Oakland team. You got other years yeah. where like Pedro cannot beat the Yankees and yet somehow they figure out a way to win that one. Like it's goofy things like that happen, even if you're going up against the best. I mean, I'm looking at the stats here. Griffey only went two for 15 in that series. No home runs. A-Rod went five for 16, which is, you know, I mean, Okay, home run there. Uh, Roberto Kelly, four for 13. I mean, you know, <laughs> I think here's the thing. They, you know, they lose two games, nine, three. They win four, two, and then lose three to one. So did they hit enough? No, but it's not inconceivable that in the first two games, had they hit just a little more, you know, if they had gotten better pitching, that they would have at least been in the game. Maybe it would have yeah. changed that. I mean, the problem is, they get in the first two games, no good pitching and really no good hitting. Yeah. It's, you know, but had they come back to eke something out in game four, it's supposed to just scoring one run off Messina. Maybe, you know, maybe, you, uh, you know, you let him run up his pitch count or something. A better, I don't know what the strategy was that day. Um, yeah. So who knows? But, you know, there are ways of eking out series or at least extending them, even if you're not hitting or pitching particularly well. And I'm glad you guys brought that up because I had forgotten that wildcard games are five games. And this is something that still bugs me. Yeah. Like, why are we still doing this? Like, why aren't they seven games? Um, basketball, didn't basketball eventually fix that? Yeah, but it kind of sucks, yeah. doesn't it? Why do we need to see the number one team play the eight team for seven for another <laughs> game? You know, Yeah, I think it would make it would make more sense in baseball, actually, than it does yeah. in the NBA, I think. Definitely. <laughs> Yeah, by the way, that that year got at before we started recording, guys, I was complaining about not being able to watch yesterday's game and the day and today's game because they're freaking day games on a work week, not even summer, not even summer. So I can't go there, right? And just skip out skip out on work if my bosses are listening. I've never skipped on work ever. Um <laughs> anyway, uh the point is that back in the day. There were times the games weren't even televised and you couldn't even watch it later. So do you got so that year Randy mm-hmm. Johnson threw 19 was it 19? Yes, 19 yeah, strikeouts. The White Sox? Oh, Oakland Athletics. Oakland. That yeah. game That's right, was yeah. Not on TV. <laughs> so I That's love right, it when people it, tell me yeah. that they witnessed that 19 strikeout game. No you didn't, you jerk. It was not. <laughs> That's the way. So how did, how did it go out here? Like what do you guys remember who who carried the games back then? Yeah, so Channel 11 carried some games, uh, but I guys correct me. Do. I don't think Root existed yet. Root did not no. exist. No, no. I'm not Root even sure if Fox, until if Fox the Sports 2000s. Yeah. Cairo had them for a few years, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I think it was a matter of you got two games a week, maybe three, if you're lucky. Um you know, if you guys ever go to YouTube and see like uh, Maguire hitting the door of the kingdom on the 300 level, that was that game as well. Nobody, you know, you had to have yeah. been there to see that game. My buddy uh, Colin Paisley, my ex-host, was there for that game. Or so he oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I don't think he'd lie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the longest the longest home run ever in the kingdom was was was. Uh, was on that untelevised game. No, Tom, it was bad. I don't know if it, what it was like on the East Coast, but um, yeah, you just well, 
didn't watch games. He just listened to it on the radio or. In, yeah. In Connecticut. Well, I have two things in Connecticut. You could get the Mets on WOR. I don't know if they carry 162, but then you got the Yankees on PIX. I think they carried most of them. But then it was weird with the Red Sox. They had this channel. It was channel 38 WSBK out of Boston that carried half the games. And the other half was carried by Nesson, New England Sports Network, which is the same network that carries them now. Except back then, that was a paid cable station like freaking hbo so oh, yeah. so if, if you were out of the greater boston area which i was i was like just far enough you had to pay for that so i could only see them maybe you know twice a week on channel 38 and then maybe on saturday if nbc carried it or something like that but it was definitely weird and it was strange that we did, I didn't think of it as weird it's like oh yeah i just can't watch them it's like i didn't and it didn't even occur to me <laughs> So, Tom, it was a big, big deal when the Mariners would be on Saturdays. Yeah. Like, this is a national game. You know, uh, fine, it's sunny. I'm not going out. I'm watching the Mariners because, you know, how often do I get to see them, you know? And that was a big deal. Maybe that's another part of it, too. That's a great point. Games were big deals. Right now, they're just kind of a slog. It's like, uh, I got to write about this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, people talk about uh, you know MLB Network, and we could see any old game that we want anytime. I mean, maybe that's not a good thing, you know, too much of a good thing, right? I mean, you need to too much supply, not enough demand. Again, I always I keep saying over and over, like cut it from 162 to 100 or 120 or something, something to make it so your weekly ritual. Yeah. It's not like you're taking the game for granted every night, you know, or maybe you just decide that like, okay, baseball is a pastime and it's just there if you need it. And it's fine. Like you need to make a decision. When I say you, I mean the baseball itself. They need to make a decision as to what the game represents. Is it, do they want more urgency to the extent that say the NFL has it? I'm not saying 16 games, but you know what I mean? Like go more in that direction or do they just resign it and say, you know what? We're a pastime. We're on at night. That's what we want. You know, sit back on the on the porch, listen to it on the radio. They kind of need to figure that part of it out. Back to my earlier question. Are there any uh, – I'm suggesting that baseball is kind of like a regionalized uh, fan base. Back in the 90s, I just remembered that the Braves and the Cubs were national teams. Yeah. Because they had channels yep. that everybody had. TBS most, or whatever. Yeah, most yeah. everybody. WGN and TBS. Mm-hmm. And does that exist right now? What? Well, they the, still the do. National, yeah. They still do. T- TBS still does their games. They still. You do know great. what? I, I'm not sure that they do anymore. I, don't, I, thought, I thought I heard about a divorce there. I'm not positive, though. Maybe they don't. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, one, of fools, recently, I'm yeah. one of the fools that, that pays for the MLB package and I have a game always on, on whatever playing. I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the small minority that, that uses it too much. Isn't it fascinating, though, that something like the Yes Network isn't a national channel? Well, you can get it anywhere, I think, if you're on, if you have like a Dish Network or something. But yep. it's, But you're right. It's not a it's not a basic cable channel. That's for sure. I think I'd try to push it if I were them. I don't know. Maybe there's some 
contractual problems doing that. But uh, maybe maybe the Major League Baseball doesn't want teams going into other markets and poaching fan bases. But well, yeah, they are very very maybe. defensive about that. There are certain areas of the country where like. If you live in Iowa right now and your blackout restrictions are for like six teams, you can't watch six teams on on MLB.tv at all unless they're national broadcasts and you have ESPN or whatever. Um, they're just the blackout restrictions need to go away completely. They they're dumb. Um, you know, so like the Mariners, you know, I, I, I know I wouldn't do this myself, but I do know some people who use VPN services that would bounce their connection through another part of the country so they can always watch a Mariner game. <laughs> I heard that from a guy. Yeah, I, I, I would never do that. Because um, <laughs> it's much cheaper than paying for the $200 cable package that Root Sports is in because they moved it out of the basic co- cable package. Are you telling me that they use the dark web to watch baseball? Oh, no, <laughs> they're they're just VPN services. You can you can get them for like five bucks a month nowadays. I know. I used to have one for like a I, minute. I I have VPN on mine because I have sensitive content on uh-huh. my computer. And yeah, it's because so. it's your work computer, and you 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 use your VPN to connect to work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot newer than my regular computer, so uh, there is that. <laughs> Mariners, by the way, that year, uh, 97, they eclipsed 3 million in attendance. Uh, Tom, you weren't a here, lot. so I'm going to ask this question kind of more, mm-hmm. more to Matt and Brian. Uh, do you guys remember back then? I mean, like, that was even more important to this city than the Sonics. Yes, it was. I mean, hmm. I mean, we, we put, we had, like you said earlier, we had three, four or four Hall of Famers, and we had all around top to bottom, the one of the best lineups in baseball. I mean, it was a big deal to go to the kingdom three, four times a week and go watch the Mariners. So, I mean, I know you're talking about TV earlier, but we had an option that, you know, to go fill out the kingdom every night. And I, I, I am a baseball fan more than basketball, but I guess you look back to 95 when we almost lost the Mariners. So I, I think it kind of re, you know, the fan base went back up again, you know, after we didn't move, but it just. Dude, look did. at some of the attendance for that season. You've got yeah. 57,000 yeah. on a Saturday and a, the following Sunday in the middle yeah. of May against Baltimore for games you for, and you were in the middle of a losing streak. I mean, that yeah. is insane. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, any team nowadays, the Yankees would be lucky to be drawing that. But see, mm-hmm. look look at this. Look at this, though. Back then, teams like Baltimore had a superstar that you wanted to go see. Mm-hmm. You yeah, wanted to Rip. go see Cal Ripken Jr. And, yep. you know, nowadays when, uh, uh, we, nowadays when there's a game at Safeco, I, I just think like, oh, do I want to do the traffic this week or do it, you know. Pay uh, parking and. Yeah, exactly. Jump all the way up to my seat and yeah, pay forty dollars for food and beer. I find excuses not to go back then in a terrible, a terrible building where the roof fell in on your head. You know, I, I was like, let, yes, let me be part of that fifty thousand. Well, that that goes to that availability. Like nowadays, you can watch it on you know your your cell phone or whatever, and you got up to date apps, and you've got radio on your on your phone, and you got disagree. you know forty seven different ways. Disagree. Back then, they didn't have that. Disagree. There is nothing like going to a game. I don't care what the sport is. Being there in person, it, the telephone, the not the telephone, but the cell phone, the iPad, the computer, the TV is no substitution 
for the in-person experience. And I oh, always I agree with that. that but oh, yeah. just, can, can I say about that? I, I agree that that is true. Yes. But I do think that the convenience of having basically all of human knowledge and all of human experience at your fingertips, even if it's in a, a non-experiential way, I think that that has made us overall less likely to connect with one another and leave the house. So I don't, don't, I don't know that it has, that this is like a baseball issue where like, Oh, I can watch it on my phone. And so I'm not going to go to the game. I I agree with you, Abraham. Like there's no substitution for that, but I think our, our mindset over the last 20 years has just changed with respect to almost all activities that baseball is just a casualty of that in the same way Mm -hmm. that going to the park is. Or, you know, just just going just getting up and going to a friend's house and knocking on the door without texting 50 times first. I used to do that all the time. Didn't oh, you yeah. guys used to do that? Just oh, you know, I'm just gonna go over to so-and-so's house. Bah, 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 bah. Hey, you wanna hang out? Okay. Yep. Like that never would happen now. And you no, and, right. right, and that's that is a direct result of the I technology. The I hear a knock on the door these days, and I'm like, is this a very polite criminal? Right. What's going on? Who's in my door? <laughs> Like, like who, who's trying to knock on my door? Because I'm not going to go answer it, you know. <laughs> right, like, what is this? I'm not getting up. <laughs> yeah. That's why you got the ring doorbell now. You can watch the camera. You can look on the camera and go, yeah, I don't know who that is. I'm not getting up. <laughs> right. I mean, and even with the phone, you know, even with another technology, you always used to pick it up before yeah. call, or, call waiting. Or not call waiting, call or ID. Yeah. A couple things about that 97 season going back to yeah, the that was the year that in the all-star game larry walker put his helmet on backwards and switched sides of the plate so that he wouldn't get beamed by by rj yeah wait a minute wasn't that okay no you're right it was larry walker but something happened with crock also a few years Uh, that was that that was several years before yeah yeah 93 where uh yeah randy johnson threw the ball like what a foot two feet over his over his head that's right you're right yep (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but back back to 97 with your Larry Walker thing, Abe. He, they played them in interleague like a few weeks before, and Larry Walker refused to play in that game against RJ. So. That's what they said, but I think that's a joke. I don't think that's accurate. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't you blame You're telling me Larry Walker was afraid of anybody. No way. No. No. no, no, no. I think that was just a joke that they had. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, he faced them uh, later in the National League, probably countless times, right? Yeah, good point. I don't know. We'd have to yeah, look at his he went, splits. He went to his division. There might so be a split. A lot. There might be a split for Larry Walker that says, you know, home away against Randy Johnson. You know? <laughs> Randy Johnson. It just says N slash A, not applicable. <laughs> <laughs> that was the uh, that was the All Star Game declared Braves versus Mariners because of the quantity of both of those. Uh, uh, team's players on that team the 97 year the 97 year and you got even okay. worse in, in cleveland i think right yeah. yeah it got worse in 2001 where half the team were mirrors yeah yeah remember that seattle that was great. oh yeah 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 and it happened to be here weird yep yep it was great how it worked mm-hmm. out yeah i snuck into that game <laughs> how there was yeah, a retail, there was a retail store for at&t so i walked down there with my at&t badge and just said, I, I'm AT&T. Um, 
and just walk through. <laughs> oh, really? Good for wow. you. Yeah. This was before 9-11. So, you know, this was five months, four before months. Before metal that. detectors and yeah, <laughs> yeah. all that. Huh. I was a kid. Was, yeah. <laughs> what is the worst? The worst thing that happens is they say, no, get out. <laughs> you exactly. okay and you leave. <laughs> yeah, go watch it at a bar across the street. <laughs> like, yeah, pretty much. Crazy. <laughs> what was Tom? What was the what was the opinion of the Mariners from a national sense in that in that year, or just even just the late nineties in general? You know, I think it was a lot higher than you guys might think, because so we were actually thought of. That's, oh hell yeah! Okay, hell yeah! Right. I mean, I look, there's like. in in every sport, there's always that hot team. That like remember in the mid two thousands like for a little while the Bengals looked like they were gonna like take over the NFL. We got Carson Palmer and we got Shadow Jacinco and Hushman Sada and who was the running back? Um, was it Corey Cedric Dillon. Benson? Corey Dillon. Well, he was before. Oh. But okay. yeah, but but I mean it looked like they they had finally put together a team and so they kind of became a hot team. Right now. Like the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, are actually or the Toronto Raptors of that team. I think the Mariners in the mid 90s kind of became that it was they were one of those teams, maybe in a in alongside the Cleveland Indians and Atlanta Braves. It's like the three teams that 10 years previous were awful and now were like dominating uh, the sport with just all these all stars in a time where. It may have even been like the, the final era where people cared about baseball players as individuals, right, as stars in the same way they probably care about NBA players as stars now. So, I mean, you guys really hit the jackpot in that sense because, you know, you got a lot of attention despite not even really winning that second round. So I think that that really speaks to the fact that, you know, you guys had so much ability on the team. And then, and, then, and then just to add one quick thing, even as you started losing players, more came in, you know, with 2001, Ichiro and Brett. So it, it, it was like, OK, well, they lose one guy, they get another. So that was impressive, yeah. too. Rudy Johnson. Right. What? Sorry, Cincinnati Bengals running back stuck in my head. Rudy Johnson. Yeah, 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 yeah. OK, yep, sorry. Yep. Uh, no, and we built we built that Japanese pipeline. We had we had Ichiro come in. We had Kazuhiro Sasaki. We had you know there were there Jujima came in. I mean we yeah we were looking like we were going to continue with you know some serious players, but then it, then then time happened. Tom, yep. from a national perspective, <laughs> did you ever did you ever figure out why? And Matt and Brian, you know this to be a fact. There's like an inferiority complex in Seattle. You know, why aren't you looking at us? Why don't you care about mm-hmm. our teams? Um, and then when people do care about our teams, we then wonder, why are you being critical of our team? <laughs> is that is that just? Yeah, I, I feel I mean, like that's a Seattle thing. I don't feel like that happens everywhere. Well, you know what, man? I think it it does more often now. I was, I was talking about this exact thing yesterday on my show with uh, a guy named Saul Spady. I think. I think that there is something to this area that has always carried that attitude. But, and hold on, ask the question again, just so I answer it clearly, rather than I going off like on a tangent. I feel like there's an inferiority complex in Seattle. Yeah. And, their friends, and I feel like we want to be t- taken seriously. And because we don't see our team on ESPN, you know, for 
40 minutes out of an hour long program <laughs> yeah. that we're being ignored. And then when people are critical of our teams, then we feel, um, you okay. know, righteous indignation that. Yeah. I think that I, they're like, without getting political <laughs> victim mentality, victim mindset is definitely a thing these oh, days, yeah. you know? And I think that victim mentality's power lies in the fact that you 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 can always fight upwards right and point the finger at somebody but once you actually become good right and you're no longer the underdog you don't know what the hell to do with that and so it's like you have to make up reasons to get angry <laughs> and and i feel like because you know washington's not always been a state that has been at the, cen- the center of you know news in the same way that maybe new york or la as cities are um that may have something to do with it. I mean, I'm kind of playing armchair psychiatrist or psychologist with you guys, but that's, you know, that's nothing too complicated. Does that make sense? Yeah. We, we're, we're, that's something that we're number one at. Yeah. We were the first at being <laughs> victimized. Victim, uh, yeah. And thank you, America. We spread that across the fan bases throughout the country. <laughs> I saw a dude on Twitter the other day who was like, he was getting really indignant about the fact that people were giving Gonzaga a hard time for losing the other night. And I'm thinking, you know, this was a hell of a season. I don't think that if I'm a Gonzaga player or fan, I walk away thinking that the whole season was a disaster. I don't think of it that way, certainly, but you did lose the game and you got beaten soundly. Like you were outclassed by this other team. You can't for that. That's that one aspect of the season. You have to let that go. Additionally, like, like, like if people criticize you for that one game, you can't defend that and say, but we had a good season. Like you have to eat that. Sorry. We'll give you everything else. Additionally, you got all the press for the last six months. All they were saying is how great you are, how great you are, how great you are. You started believing it. And, you know, if you, if you weren't watching what Baylor did this year, uh, you know, then that might seem surprising, but it wasn't surprising. That's a very good team. Has been all have been all year minus their COVID games. But um, yeah, yeah. All right, we're heading towards the end of our show. Brian, Matt, did you have any last questions you wanted to get in for Tom? Tom, did you have any questions That's for cool, Brian man. or Matt that you wanted? I do. I do. I do have a two. I have two questions for you. Okay. What the hell happened in '98 and '99? Oh, 98. We don't, we don't talk about those years. 98, yeah. Randy Johnson had a hissy dark fit. Times. Randy Johnson, yeah. I, I stand by this. He had a hissy fit, didn't want to play, half-assed it until he got traded. That's that's my impression of that year. That's fairly mm-hmm. accurate. And then 99, <laughs> 99 Griffey did the same thing. So. Griffey did the same, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. But here's, here's the thing, though. Okay, I mean, did Randy have a good year that year? No. But he went ten and one with he went ten and one with the Astros. Yeah, and before that he was what like five hundred. It's no, he was, well, yeah, yeah, you're right. 10 Nine and ten. Four point three yeah. ERA. Which goes back to exactly the thing we were talking about before with the war, right? You go from ninety and seventy-two to eighty-two and eighty, and right here, what did they get? What did they win? Seventy-six year, year games that year. So that basically proves what you're saying. And then the next year, same thing. It really wasn't until you built Ditch out A-Rod. that that rotation <laughs> well yeah. no well then you still had a rod in 2000 but like Sealy, paul abbott halama freddie garcia 
I mean, Moyer's still, I mean, you got a lot of good years out of guys who weren't that, like veteran players who weren't that great. Right. So you, you can't hit the jackpot there. Well, one thing Gillick did to the former GM is the reason why Griffey and uh, uh, Randy Johnson left, he wouldn't give them 10-year contracts. He said, I'm not going to do it. Not going to happen. We'll do three or four-year contracts. That's it. And you know, yeah. That was his MO. That, that He did that at Toronto. He did that here, and he did that at Philadelphia, where he won another World Series. Ten-year contracts are tough, though, man. You know, that's one of that's almost one of the tough parts about having guys who are so good. It's like you could, you know, you could justify giving Griffey or A Rod ten-year deals, but there weren't many other teams that had those kinds of players that were doing that, were there? Maybe Bonds. Bobby Padilla. Bobby Bobby Padilla. Okay, Bobby, obvious Bobby mistake. Bobby Padilla <laughs> yeah. is still going to be paying, being paid in 2035. Uh, right. No, I, there's a I, dynamic I, that went into those years also is that we were we were we were building the, the Safeco Field across the mm-hmm. street, and it was going to be a pitcher's park, and we knew that, and so they were kind of trying to shuffle the the lineup and and build a team towards it. Gillick built a team that was based on pitching and defense for that for that field, and you know, finally in 2001, we saw the, the, you know, the pinnacle of that build and how it all clicked together and worked well in that fi- in that field. And I think between in that nebulous, we were kind of in that nebulous, we don't really have a solid identity kind of area at that point in 99 and 2000. Yep. No, I hear you. And yeah. there was a huge argument. There was a huge argument for a couple of years. A-Rod or Griffey, you can only have one, you know, Griffey. and Gillick yeah. went with A-Rod. But then he left in 2000. He was younger. He was a younger, seemed like more of a solid investment. And he was like invested in taking care of his body. Whereas Griffey had shown in in younger years that he wasn't really worried about that. So in terms of, you know, you run the statistics, you run the numbers. Look at A-Rod held up for another, what, you know, 15 years after Griffey. I mean, it seems like, you know, he held up for a lot longer physically. So who gets more who gets more credit between the two there? The guy who took the guy who cheated to take care of his who bothered to take care of his body or the guy who didn't cheat and didn't bother to take care of his body? Like who who do you, you know, who do you shine the light on there? I don't know. I would kept Griffey, but that's me. You don't you don't you don't turn your back on a on a player voted the player of the decade uh and and you know all is obviously a hall of famer and yeah but you know what though griffey center was, fielder that can hit like that a center fielder no uh no no griffey also wanted out because he wanted to live in oh, yes. live on the east coast here, florida yeah yeah so i mean there's a player doesn't want to be here there's nothing you can do that's I mean, true. That, that's <laughs> but we couldn't even get pokey reese for him because uh, he was untouchable no no uh no loss <laughs> there I, I'm okay with the Cameron and uh, um, who was the pitcher? Tomko. Tomko. Yep. Yep. Uh, one more question. I have a question for Tom real quick. I know last time we talked, we talked a little bit about WWF in the good old days, but do you watch any current wrestling WWE or uh, all elite wrestling right now? Uh, I, I don't. I mean, the answer, the short answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, if you're curious as to the reasons I could attempt an explanation, I mean, like, I just feel like wrestling for me fits pretty neatly into a box. I mean, I was into it for maybe two to three years when I was younger. And it now, when I look back on it, 
for whatever reason, like I'm, I'm nostalgic for a lot of things, movies, music, whatever. But that there's something that's so unique about WWF to me from that era that I can still go back and either watch it for a few minutes and get a laugh or hear a podcast about it or talk with friends about it. Like there's a lot of sources that I can draw from on that experience. It's still like provide meaning and value for me. And you know, when I, I'll flip past AEW or something like that. And it just, it seems like there's just so much sameness to me. Like there's not a, like you've got, whether it's the women or the men. And by the way, I credit the women for being able to increase the profile of that division to the extent that they have these days, which is awesome for yep. them. Um, yep. But it's just, it's a lot of, you know, acrobatics, which are impressive, but I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm just too old to be able to suspend disbelief like I, it's almost like when I watch a YouTube clip of like the honky tonk man from 1987, it's like I can I can access my eight year old disposition and kind of slip back into that. Whereas I don't have any point of reference for the stuff now. So that's kind of what that is. But I have nothing against it either. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Well, we're at the end of our show here. What we like to do is do some shout outs. Uh, let me go ahead and kick this one off and i'm gonna give i'm gonna give a shout out to those gonzaga bulldogs for a very good season but you know it's uh it's it's you'll find more character in a loss and uh well you lost by a lot so you'll get a lot of character out of that uh matt who do you got for shout outs well yeah real quick on gonzaga yeah it's how you get up it's how you how you uh how you learn from your mistakes that's that's really where you know it comes in um and the shout out i'm gonna give it out to the uh the everdockle socks once again absolutely the season's starting here less than a month from now uh buy tickets buy merchandise help them out they you know no season last year they're they're running on empty in terms of uh you know economics i'm sure uh so you know give them the ssu i was proud to purchase our own seat uh again uh, today and uh um, and yeah their magazine as well and we'll be writing we'll be writing a lot of content for the in-game programs that you can get at every game. There's four of those this year, so keep an eye out for those. And uh, go Aquaslugs. All right, Brian. Uh, two quick shout-outs. One to my dad, who it was his birthday last week. I just want to say happy birthday to my dad. Thank you. Happy birthday, Dad. Great, happy birthday. Thank you for being a great role model. And Quick shout out. We're we're gonna be talking to the Bellingham Bellingham Bells general manager here in a couple of weeks, Stephanie Morell, another team that we covered during the summertime. So just wanted to give her a shout out and make sure we're we support them as well as the Aqua Sox. Looking forward to and, seeing her. And Tom, uh, your shout outs and don't forget to include where people can find you. People can find me at twitch.tv slash the Tom Wassel show. And uh, really find me on Twitter at Tom Wassel because that's where I tend to advertise everything. You know, once I get the podcast stuff launched next week, uh, who do I want to do my shout out to? Oh, I'll give my shout out to my dad, too. My, you know, since I got um, laid off and I started all this stuff. Nobody has been more supportive of the whole thing than my father. I mean, you know, we talk almost every day and he's always so curious and he listens to every minute of every show. And it just, you know, it it just means the world to me. I, 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 
I know the value of that. I really do. And it just, not everybody has that. So thanks, Deb. Nice. Well, thank you, Tom Wasser, for joining our show today. Guys, thank you. (laughs) We are the Seattle Sports Union. Check out all our great podcasts here on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify as well. Check us out on seattlesportsunion.com as well as our Twitter at Seattle Sports U. And like us on Facebook. We'll see you guys next week.